welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. Come on. Good morning. Let's do this. This is awesome. I even feel air conditioned. Wow. Hey, how about all our volunteers in the red shirts? Wasn't that awesome? Someone walked up to me and said, I felt like I was running a marathon. All these people cheering for me when I came in. It's so great. Uh, It was a crazy week. Wow. Uh, It was a crazy week for uh, me and Steph. I was in Boston working at different churches, and I flew on on Thursday night. She left on Friday morning, so we were passing like two ships in the night, and it reminds me of a story I heard of a couple from Boston who uh, decided to go to Florida in the middle of the winter to escape the cold, and since both spouses were working and had hectic schedules, the husband was going to go down a day early. He was going to go on Friday. The wife was going to go on Saturday, and so he goes down. He gets to the hotel. He arrives. He gets to his room. He pulls out his phone and sends his wife uh, an email, but as he's typing in her email address, he misses one letter, and then he pushes send. Well, in another part of the country, there's this widow, and she just returned from her husband's funeral. He's this pastor of many years who just passed away, and so she decides to check her email, thinking that some relatives or friends are going to have sent her condolences, and she opens up her email, and she reads this email, she screams, and she faints, and so her adult son runs into the room, and, and he sees her computer open, and he, he looks at it, and he reads the email, and it says this, to my loving wife, I've just been checked in. Everything has been prepared for your arrival here tomorrow. (laughs) Looking forward to see you then, your devoted husband. P.S. Sure is hot down here. (laughs) That has nothing to do with our sermon today. You know, I I was thinking this week about how I loved stories growing up where you could walk into a special place and be taken into another realm. So some of you are fans of the Narnia stories like me, or some some of you perhaps saw the movie where the Pevensey children in England walk into a wardrobe and immediately move from England into the magical land of Narnia. I I love those special places, or you might call them portals. For some of you that are old school, you love Star Trek, and and you loved when Captain Kirk and Spock went to the transporter and, and said to Scotty, beam me up, and boom, they were transported to a different place. That's a portal. And, and, and what's a, a portal? Here's the definition of the word portal. It's a doorway, gate, or entrance, an especially large or elaborate door. It's a, an entrance or exit or opening. And, and here's the reason I think we love this idea of portals is actually, it's a biblical concept, believe it or not. 
And there's different times in the Bible where one of the biblical characters would go into a place and all of a sudden be encountering another realm. And I want to talk to you about a story like that today. But before I do, I, I, I want to set up some background. Do you know how we got the name All People's Church? You know, we were, we were called to San Diego, California to start a church, and, and when Steph and I realized that, I immediately started saying, okay, God, what's the name of this church? And God immediately spoke to my heart, All People's. And I came down, and I, I shared that with Steph, and we said, can you name a Christian church, All People's? And the amazing thing is, as I studied Scripture, that phrase, All People's, started sticking out to me all over the place. And I want to show you the first reference to it this morning. If you'd open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, we're also going to put it up on the screen. This is at the very beginning of the Bible, the, the story of Abraham. And it says this, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples, can you say that? And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So cool that our church name is right there in the Bible. What was God doing? He was calling a man out on a journey. Abraham lived in a place called Ur of the Chaldeans. It it made sense. It was the seat of commerce, of, of learning, of technological advancement at the time. And God says, Abraham, I'm actually calling you out of that place to go on a faith journey with me. And as you go on that faith journey, I'm going to pour out my blessing on you. And I'm going to take you from being one man. I'm going to make you a great nation. But listen to this, Abraham. All peoples are going to be blessed through you. God's heart has always been to reach every kindred, nation, tribe, and tongue, every person on the planet. But God does that by calling men and women on faith journeys to follow him into the unknown. We've understood from the very beginning that Abraham is a prototype for us. He's what God is calling believers to be like. So his story's been very significant. But there's an unusual way that God uses Abraham to reach a certain individual. In scripture, and that's what I want to look at today. I think it's very clear that one of the reasons that God has us sitting at San Diego State campus today is embodied in this principle we're going to unpack. It's more than just for a nice room today, it's more than just for the first time to have cushioned chairs. I sat down during announcements and I just went, oh, that feels good. But you know, God has us here for a greater reason than just to have a more comfortable worship environment. And we're going to uncover that principle today. Genesis 12, we're going to move on to verse 8. It says, from there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel, remember that word, and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abraham's now on his journey. He gets to a place called Bethel. He's right outside of it, and he builds an altar. What's an altar? It's a place of worship. You know, you can worship God from anywhere, but we see in Scripture that there's certain times where the people of God build and consecrate a special place to seek God. So Abraham will worship there, and then 
he, because of a famine, goes into Egypt. But even in a challenging time, because he's called out by God, God blesses him. And then watch this. He comes back out of Egypt, verse 1 of chapter 13. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had. And Lot went with him. And Abraham had become a very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. And from the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel to that place between Bethel and I where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar, there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Here's what an altar is. An altar is a place of praise. An altar is a place of praise. An altar is a place of worship. And what we see is this man called out building a place of praise. And it's called Bethel. Now, what does Bethel mean? That's a Hebrew word. It's a compound word. And in Hebrew, Beth means house, and El means God. So if you had Bethlehem, that's house of bread. But Bethel is house of God. Okay, so let me explain this for a second. When the people of God set up a place of praise, it becomes a Bethel, a house of God. What do I mean by that? Psalm 22, 3 says, God inhabits the praise of his people. Let me say that again. God inhabits the praise of his people. So when you consecrate a place and say, from this place, we will worship God, God sends his spirit and he comes and embodies that place. The Bible says this, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there with them. So that place became a Bethel, a house of God. So why is that significant? Because we're going to study the life for a moment of an individual who wasn't seeking God, but who's going to come into that place. And I want you to make note of what happens to him. This, this man's name is Jacob, and Jacob is Abraham's grandson. So it goes Abraham, then Abraham has a son named Isaac, and Isaac has a son named Jacob. And Jacob is not like Abraham. Abraham's this man of faith going on a journey to follow God, obedient, wanting to worship. Jacob is a punk. <laughs> Jacob's a scoundrel. Let me just give you a little background on the story of Jacob. Jacob's dad, Isaac, had two sons. He had a son named Esau. And Esau, for you to remember him, he is a hairy man. He has a ton of hair on his arms. The Bible talked about that. How would you like to be remembered in the Bible as a man with a bunch of hair on your arms? Okay, he's a hairy hunter. Okay, so he is like burly, burly man, burly hunter, hairy man. Jacob likes to dwell in a tent. So we got hairy hunter, and we've got like artistic coffee shop man. Okay. <laughs> This is the difference between them. Now, the problem is, this is not good, and we as dads should never do this, but Isaac, the dad, has a favorite. He likes Harry Hunter, not pensive coffee shop man. And so Esau's also the first, so he's going to give him the inheritance. He's going to give him the blessing. Esau's going to be the one that gets all the family riches. Jacob doesn't like that. Jacob wants the inheritance. Jacob wants the blessing. And you know what? Mama likes Jacob. Why? Because he was always staying in the home and helping her cook, right? And, you know, doing their Iron Chef thing together. So, so anyway, so mom and Jacob come up with the scheme of how to steal the blessing from Esau. And so Jacob, he goes and puts some lamb fur on his arms and goes and rubs his clothes in the dirt. And, 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 and 
Isaac's eyes are failing, so Jacob comes in. He's got hairy arms. He's prepared a meal. He says, Dad, here I am. And Dad, because he can't see very well, goes, hey, let me just feel you. Let me sniff you. Yep, you smell like dirt. And uh, I'm going to give you the inheritance. So Jacob steals the inheritance from Esau. Okay, Harry Hunter is not happy. So Esau is like, I'm going to kill Jacob. So what does Jacob do? Jacob has to flee. He has to run for his life. And that's where we pick up this story in Genesis chapter 8. We pick up a story where Jacob's running for his life. And it says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. And when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. Does not sound comfortable to me. Verse 12, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth with its top reaching to heaven. Okay, so this is the original stairway to heaven. Okay, this is, this is Led Zeppelin's inspiration. You had no idea they were so biblical. You don't need to listen to any other than music, though. <laughs> and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and the east to the north and the south, and listen to this, all peoples, there it is again, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. So cool. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid. You would be too. He was afraid. And said, how awesome is this place. This is no other than the house of God. This is the gate or portal of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head. He set it up as a pillar, poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and he will watch over me on this journey, I will, I, uh, journey I'm taking, I will give and give me, excuse me, food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God and the stone I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and all of that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Do you understand how profound this is? Jacob was a swindler. He's a thief. He's a punk. He's running away because he's done something wrong. But he comes into this place called Bethel. He comes into a portal of his presence, and boom, he has a God encounter. I thought more people would get that. He's a punk. He's not even seeking God. But he comes into this portal of praise, this portal of his presence that his grandfather has set up. His grandfather set up this place of worship, and so what happens when punk steps into it, boom, power, a power encounter, and Jacob gets changed. Do you see that? Like all of a sudden, Jacob's like, hey, you're my God, and I'll be your, your person. I'm even going to tithe to you. It's amazing. 
Like everything changes. He, he starts saying, I'm going to follow you, God, and I'm going to start giving back to you. Like this, this, this punk enters a portal of his presence and gets transformed. Okay, what does that have to do with us? We are the Abrahams that get to establish the portal of his presence for wandering prodigals to enter into and for them to encounter God face to face. Like, guys, it's, it's, it's so much bigger than just sitting in a nice room with these unbelievable screens and these nice lights and this air conditioning. No, we are here to establish a portal of his presence for the 33,000 students that come onto this campus seeking who knows what to all of a sudden go, boom, God is in this place. And their lives get changed. And you might be thinking, wow, that's like hyper-spiritual, and that's a biblical story. But do those things really happen today? Absolutely. Let me just tell you for a minute, let me walk through with you our church's history. The reason we came to San Diego is God spoke it. He gave us all people's church, so we understood this church was to be a multi-ethnic church. We understood that we were supposed to go to the place where all the different ethnicities were converging in the city. So where did we come first? We, we landed in an airplane, and Stephanie and I drove straight, got a rental car, drove straight to San Diego State because we understood that this was one of the most diverse universities. It's the seventh most diverse university in the whole nation. We arrive, we walk right down there, right into that kind of opening quad, and, and as we walk out, we hear seven languages before we hear English. We went, this is the perfect place to launch All People's Church. God clearly confirmed launch at the university. And so God miraculously opened up a door to a house, six houses from campus. Now fast forward to this year. I'm talking to this campus minister who started a campus ministry about a year ago. And he's telling me how amazing it is. And all these people are coming to know Jesus and they have over 100 kids gathered. And I said, where are you meeting? He goes, well, amazingly, we're meeting in a house on Hewlett Drive. I said, interesting. That's where we started this church. I said, what house? He pulls up his, you know, his little uh, map on his phone and I say, that house. Let me tell you a story about that house. I said, when we moved here, we landed on that street, and that house was our next-door neighbors. And our next-door neighbors, they were the biggest partiers of the athletes on San Diego State campus. It was a bunch of soccer girls living with the captain of the football team and the most popular guy on the baseball team, and they were known for their crazy parties. In fact, like at night, I'd be covering my kids' eyes and be like, no, go in your room, go in your room. They thought I was an FBI agent or, they, they, or, or an undercover cop because they were like, why would anyone bring his little family? My kids were four, two, and eight months. But I drove a black suburban, so they're like, he's totally an undercover cop. <laughs> But I started talking to these, these, these girls that were total partiers, and one by one, they started giving their lives to Jesus. One after other after another. There was one left that hadn't given their, given their life to Jesus, and they said, you know what, she's hard. She won't, she won't 
give in. She's very set in her ways, and she's dating the captain of the football team. And I remember walking across campus. One day, actually, I was riding my longboard. I'm riding my longboard. I had moved from Texas. I traded in my cowboy boots for a longboard in vans. I'm riding... I'm riding across campus on my longboard, and the captain of the football team, he's a couple inches taller than me and about 100 pounds bigger than me, he goes, Robert. I went, oh, no, because <laughs> I was ruining their party lifestyle, right? Everyone was getting saved. He goes, Robert, I want to talk to you. And I went, oh, boy. And he goes, actually, Allie and I want to talk to you. We noticed something different about you guys. Can we sit down with you and your wife? I said, yeah, well, why don't you all come over later this afternoon? They come into the house, and they go, there is something in this house. We feel a presence in this house. So that's Jesus. And his Holy Spirit is residing here. And we explain the gospel. Do you want to give your life to Jesus? Allie just starts crying. She goes, yes. Russell was a prodigal. He'd given his life to Jesus years earlier, but he wasn't walking with Jesus. He recommits his life to the Lord. And that house, one month later, changed from being the biggest athlete party house to a life group. And, and, and what would happen next is as we established a place of praise, football player after football player after football player would come in and give their life to Jesus. Baseball player after baseball player would come in and give their life to Jesus. Soccer player after soccer player, softball player after softball player, crew member after crew member, one after the other. Salvation was tearing through these sports teams. Why? Because it was now a place of praise. And that was nine years ago, and it was no big surprise when I found out several months ago that God's doing it again in the same place, the same house. Why? Because it's a portal for his presence. You establish a place of praise and God starts encountering people that never expected it. So we outgrew those houses, those two houses right there, and we had to start public services. Well, we always knew that we wanted to, to reach this area, and we were called to be a, a multi-ethnic church, so we said City Heights is the perfect place, and God opened up a door to meet on Horace Mann Middle School, and here's the amazing thing. As we started worshiping there, we started having different ones for the administration come up to us and thank us and saying, you're changing the atmosphere. They actually said this, when we come in on Monday, it's different. It feels different than it did before. How the, the, the principal ended up saying, thank you so much for, for coming. And over the next two years, as we were there, the kids' test scores went from the bottom to, to some of the top, and the principal got hired to go to another school to turn that school around. And they started saying, thank you, things are changing as you are here. And we just said, it's Jesus. We were able to start our Halloween Harvest Fest there, and some of you were a part of those. We'd have a couple of thousand people come, and in one night we had 200 people make decisions for Jesus. We were able to start investing and doing teams and starting to do Bible clubs. But then, one day, the, the front of the auditorium, pipes bust, flooding happens, and they say, you can't meet here for church. And so in a week, we had to scramble, and we launched at Crawford High School. Now, here's the interesting thing about Crawford High School. We work with a group that starts clubs on campuses, and they had said Crawford's been our hardest one to get a breakthrough on. God moves our church onto Crawford campus, and we launch a club. Do you know that that club has grown to, at times, we have 100 students? We averaged 50 a week. There, there was one week where there were 100 students in the room. 50 students gave their life to Jesus in one day. 
And teachers and the administration started coming and saying, the atmosphere is different here. In our little time at Crawford, our church doubled. So many people started coming to know Jesus. Many of you jumped in with us in that place. Our our church grew to representing 50 different nations as we were in the heart of City Heights. It was unbelievable. And then they came and started tearing things down and took the parking away and we were being forced to move. But can I just tell you, as we were moving, the principal made an appointment with me and actually came to my office left the school, came to my office and said, I just want to thank you for being here. And I just want to make sure that, that you guys know you're wanted here. And we'd love for you not to leave. As a principal coming and saying, we'd love, and I said, it's, it's not you, we love it. You guys have been awesome. And this has been incredible. It's just, our people don't have a place to park. And there's like signs and ropes and they, you know, like it's a danger zone getting in here. So we move back to, to Horace Mann, and God has been doing amazing things. He's been touching people's lives and, and, and visiting us. And, and since that time, now both Crawford, it's known for having a move of God among students. And, and, and listen to this. Listen to this. From being in that area, we are seeing people's lives transformed. Put this picture up. We, we just have two of these, these young men from, from the heart of the city that now have become, this is Rashid in the white shirt, Trevor with the visor, these guys from the, from the school getting radically transformed, becoming leaders on our youth worship team, and now they're both going to college, both launching out to college this fall. Isn't that amazing? God, God is doing incredible things, and I can share the stories of so many more youth from these inner city schools where this is where this is happening. God has done great things. We're at Horace Mann. Why did we leave Horace Mann? Because the, the, we find out that it's starting to get torn down. And you know, it started to get crazy. You saw that we lost our children's rooms and all of a sudden we're, the kids are all meeting in the, the library. And one day we show up and the construction crew's like locked the gates and we actually had to take bolt cutters and be like, we've rented this. <laughs> and, and, park on campus and then one day like they're starting to destroy the buildings and all the trees are like torn up and cut down it looked like orcs had come from lord of the rings you know we we started referring to one one part of campus as the orc village and we're we're saying this is getting crazy and on, on may 21st this sunday they were going to bring in wrecking balls and we were losing all our parking and we're saying god what are you doing we got to have a place to meet and miraculously san diego state opens we're the first, by, by God's grace, we're the first church to get to meet in this brand new, like, $40 billion facility. But guys, I believe it's so much more than just having nice air conditioning and, and some great AV. I'm so thankful for it. But I believe that God has brought us here to establish a portal of his presence. Because everywhere the people of God go, they bring his kindness and his goodness. And they bring his atmosphere. And people's lives start getting changed. And so people got changed on Hewlett Avenue. And people got changed at Horace Mann Middle School. And people got changed at Crawford High School. But people are going to get changed at San Diego State. You know, it's so much more than, than just for us. Yeah, I, I believe that San Diego State is so significant for this city. I, I love San Diego State. I, I, I think this is an amazing place. It's raising up amazing leaders. But, you know, there's also challenges that are, are here. I remember when we first moved to, 
to live right next to San Diego State, and all of a sudden there's helicopters circling, five helicopters circling. And I'm thinking, what, what's going on here? And, and we get on the news, and we find out that in one day, 90 students are arrested in one drug bust. 90! And I remember talking to one of our student leaders, and she goes, and she had gotten her life transformed, by the way, and she goes, yeah, I, I, I was sick that day. I was actually a drug mule from Tijuana, to San Diego State, but I happened to be sick that day. I was like, that was a good sickness for you. <clears throat> she goes, I would have been arrested. I thought, my goodness, that, that is so sad. I, I remember about a month later, I, I'm riding my longboard up to work out at the Ark, and it's early in the morning. There's police tape, and, and, and there's a, a chalk of a, a body drawn out and found out that in the middle of the night, a young person had been killed right there. I thought, this is so heartbreaking, Lord. And I, I remember a, a, a couple months after that, Chip and Joanna Gaines the, the, they, from the show Fixer Upper, they come and they stay with us. And I'm taking Chip to go get a California burrito kind of late at night. And uh, we're driving along and he goes, Robert, what are all these prostitutes doing on the corners of this, of this campus? And I said, Chip, those aren't prostitutes. He goes, of course they are. Look at how they're dressed. I said, no, those are, those are college girls going to fraternity parties, Chip. He was like, no way. <clears throat> I said, totally. And I, my heart would be broken as I'd be up early in the morning to go work out and to see them taking what people call the walk of shame, coming back hungover and having given themselves and their bodies to, to, to different guys. And, you know, God has something so much better for these students. God has so much better than, for them than drugs, than violence, yep. than, than giving them their bodies and, and, and ways trying to look for love. God has something so much better, and I believe that that is one of the reasons. And, and, and here's the thing. I believe that San Diego State is an epicenter for life in San Diego. Like 80% of San Diego State graduates stay in San Diego. And so these are the leaders of, of business, and these are the leaders of politics. Our mayor is a San Diego State graduate. Like, this is a place of influence, and so I believe that God has brought us here to be a part of blessing this place, to be a part of, uh, of, of sowing in his love and his kindness and his goodness, and, and I also think it's a, a spiritual epicenter, and the enemy doesn't want to give up the ground he has. But he has brought us here, God has brought us here to establish a place of praise. He's brought us here to establish a portal of his presence. So wandering prodigals who, who might be about to give their bodies to something else all of a sudden step into his presence and go, whoa, I think there's a Jesus. And he loves me. And I want to give my life to him. He's going to change lives. He's going to transform individuals through a portal of his presence. So how do we do that? Let me just finish this message by explaining how do we establish a portal of his presence. Number one, number one, praise. If you're taking notes, write these down. Number one, we establish a portal of his presence because this is how you establish it in your life, in your home, in your business, but we're gonna specifically do it here. Number one, through praise. Do you know that worship is warfare, church? You know, we don't just have a few songs before a message to just warm you guys up for me. No, no, it, it's so much bigger. Worship is the main dish. 
It's not the appetizer. And we come in and we worship God because he is worthy. But when we worship, it's warfare. And do you know that the most famous battle in the Old Testament, the battle of Jericho that Joshua fought, do you know what Joshua's secret strategy was? Right? He, he, he didn't send in the spearmen first. He didn't send in a big battering ram. He didn't send in catapults. you know what he sent first? He sent priests with trumpets carrying the ark. What was the ark? The ark was the, the physical place where God's presence dwelt. And what were priests? They didn't have weapons. They had trumpets doo, 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 to, to blow and to worship God. And what did they do? They shouted praises. For the Lord, they sang. <clears throat> and what happened? The walls came down. It wasn't through the physical attack. It was through the spiritual worship. It was through the praise. Praise is a weapon of warfare. How do we establish a place, a, a portal for his presence? Through praise. So I want to encourage you, when you come, right, don't wait until you feel it. You know what I'm saying? Like we kind of stand here, first song, hands in our pocket. If it's a little better, we're like, okay, I'm kind of warming up, you know, and, right? And then, okay, okay. Okay, I kind of feel, okay, if I get filled up enough, oh, okay. And then, and then finally, you know, you're here, and then it's real good, and you're like, touchdown, right? <clears throat> it, it's not, you know, it's not about how I feel. I lift holy hands to the Lord because he is worthy. I shout unto God because he deserves the praise. I clap to the Lord because he deserves the honor. It's not about how I feel. Don't let your, 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 your feelings dictate how much praise you give God. Give him God because he deserves it. And give him God because when you praise, he inhabits the praise of his people. And so worship for them, not just you. It's warfare. So we establish a portal of his presence by our praise, number two. Number two, we establish a portal of his presence by praying. You pray. Jesus taught his disciples, pray this way, your kingdom come, meaning God's kingdom, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Can I just tell you, there is no drug addiction in heaven. Can I tell you, there's no alcoholism in heaven. Can I tell you, there's no anorexia or bulimia in heaven. Can I tell you that there's no depression in heaven. There's no suicidal thoughts in heaven. And so when we come on this place, can I just ask you, church, to come as praying people. Because as we pray, then he goes on in the, the later part of Matthew, he says this, whatever you bind, it's, whatever's already bound in heaven, you can bind on earth. And whatever's already loosed in heaven, you can loose on earth. So we come in, and I want to just encourage you, as you're walking across that bridge, as you're walking on campus, that you're just saying, I bind anorexia in Jesus' name. And I loose women knowing their identity. I, I, I bind sexual immorality and I lose purity. And I, I lose people being full of the love of God. 
and I bind alcoholism in Jesus' name, and I loose the joy of the Holy Spirit. And I lose salvation to fill this place. And I lose suicidal thoughts to be gone and the love of God to be here. We bind and we loose. And that's how we establish a portal of his presence. And people start walking in going, what, what do I feel here? I can't tell you how many times we were praying something and seconds later someone comes up and goes, you know, I was just experiencing this. We're like, that's exactly what we were just praying. Number three. Number three, we proclaim, we proclaim the good news of Jesus. We proclaim the good news of Jesus. Let, let, let me just say this first on, on just, just a, 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 a physical and scientific manner. Kendall, our executive pastor, has been studying quantum physics. Um, that's why he's our executive pastor. Um, <laughs> And, and what he's explaining to me is that when you speak out a word, that word is sound particles, and those sound particles become a permanent fixture in the place they were spoken. Watch this. Jesus. That word is forever in Montezuma Hall. Watch this. Jesus, Jesus. Right? Well, we start filling this space with the name of Jesus. I mean, do you, do you know that we can start changing? So we're actually changing the molecular structure of this place. Jesus, 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 Jesus. What? You see that? So proclaim the name of Jesus everywhere you go. You know what I love to do? As I talk to people all the time, I just say, Jesus loves you. I'm filling the space around them with the name of Jesus. The Bible says this, that the word of God cannot return void. I mean, God's even created it where in the physical realm you're changing things. But how much more in the supernatural realm? You start sharing with people. People said when we first moved to San Diego, hey, San Diego's a hard place. It's a pastor's graveyard. It's a hard place to plant a church. You know, we, we got on the state campus. The first student I met I started talking to, and I just shared the gospel with her, and boom, she gave her life to Jesus. And within a couple months, she was in our first life group meeting with us. And we just kept sharing the gospel. We just thought, well, we'll just share with the people we met. And one after another, after another, after another student came to Christ. And then we went into City Heights, and one after another, after another, after another people came to Christ. And then families started coming to Christ. Why? Because we were proclaiming the name of Jesus. One night I had this dream, and in this dream, God spoke this powerful thing to me. He said this, if you share the gospel, people will be saved. <laughs> I'm serious. I woke up, and I went, I've got to write that down. And I wrote it down, if I share the gospel, people will be saved. And then, like, I came to it, and I was like, what? That is the most simple thing. <laughs> Selah, think about that. It is the most simple thing. If you proclaim the name of Jesus people will get saved. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. When you come onto this campus, tell people that Jesus loves them. You know, so many times people are working in stores or they're, they're cleaning and they're used to not even being seen. Introduce yourself. Make them feel like a person because they are, right? And tell them Jesus loves you or tell them God bless you. You know, I've never been hit yet by saying that to someone. And I say it a lot. Not, I haven't been hit, hit once. Maybe, maybe you will, but I haven't. 
Okay? I encourage you, go around and, and, and let's eat in these restaurants and let's tell people Jesus loves them. And let's have conversations about Jesus. And what happens is all of a sudden, like the collective consciousness of this place, why is everybody always talking about Jesus? Right? And then people are like, well, maybe I should check out Jesus. And then next thing, they're following Jesus. Right? And, and if you eat in these, in these places, make sure you tip big. Right? Because I think that's what Jesus would do. What would Jesus do? He'd tip. Right? I, I think Jesus was a tipper. Okay, so I'm just saying, what I'm trying to say is just, just be Christian. Like when you're on this campus, we're representing Jesus, and let's open our mouths and talk about Jesus, and I think people are going to start being turned on to Jesus. He wants to turn this place into a portal of his presence. And as he does that, this place is going to become what I believe it was intended to become, which is a city on a hill shining for Jesus. And, and this is an epicenter for the city. And all of a sudden, San Diego, more and more and more, is going to be changed. And we have an opportunity to be right in the middle of it. And I'm really excited about it. So when you come to church, don't just come as a spectator. Come as a person who's ready to do business, to change, and to transform the atmosphere. So people that are hurting and broken and have all kinds of challenges and issues can walk into the presence that you just left, and they can meet the loving God who's wanted to wrap them up in his arms their whole life. That's our calling, church. Why don't you stand up? Amen. You believe it? Then let's do it. I want to do this right now. Would you just be bold with me right now? Whether you feel it or not, it doesn't matter. Would you just raise your hands right now? And I just want to start praising God. Would you just start with your mouth just saying how good God is? You can say, God, you are good. Say, God, you are good. God, you are wonderful. Jesus, you are king. Jesus, you are holy. We're praising him right now. We're setting up a portal of his presence by praising the name of Jesus because he is worthy right now. Now let's just turn to prayer. Let's start praying, church. Just start praying whatever's on your heart. God, I pray that there would be no more depression on this campus, Lord, but instead you would fill people with your joy. God, I'm praying that there would be no more anorexia or bulimia, but that you would let men and women know their identity in you. Whatever's on your heart, would you just start praying? Pray for salvation. Pray that people would be saved. People that, pray that people would be delivered. Pray that people would be changed. Even today as they walk on campus, that they would be transformed. Just pray out, church, what's on your heart for different people, Lord, for children, for students, for professors, for administration. We love these people, Lord. We are praying for it. And now let's just go to proclaim. Would you just, on three, would you shout out the name of Jesus? Let's, let's leave some big sound particles on three. One, two, three, Jesus! I, th I think you can do better than that. Ready? One, two, three, Jesus! Amen. Prayer team, come on forward. If I could just have my prayer team, life group leaders, training school students. If you need prayer this morning, we want to pray for you. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you can be like Jacob today. You can have an encounter with him, the one who loves you and wants to give you an abundant life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive your sins. You have to have your sins forgiven. He rose from the dead, defeating the power of sin and death. He wants to come into your life and give you a fresh 
start. You do that by proclaiming his name. These prayer partners want to pray with you. If you want to give your life to Jesus, you just start coming right now. If you need healing, Jesus laid his hands on the sick and people were made well. We want to pray for you if you need healing. Just start coming right now if that's you. And some people in here, you, there's different things going on in your life. You need a breakthrough in your finances. You need a breakthrough in your marriage. You need a breakthrough in different challenges you're facing. You just come right now and we want to pray for you. Just boldly step out. If you need someone to bring you, just ask the person sitting next to you, would you go down front with me? But we want to pray for you. We're going to sing one last song and I just want to encourage you. You come right now as we sing. We're going to wait for you. It's not embarrassing. We all have things that we need prayer for. So you just start making your way. And especially if you've never given your life to Jesus, we want you to come right now and we want to pray with you. Just tell the person, I need to give my life to Jesus. I want to ask him to come into my heart right now or to say, I need physical healing. Stephen, lead us in one last song as we finish our time.